Welcome nope. to the Terry and Jesse show. This is where we teach people how to love God, save souls, and slay air. This is the holy hour of power. This will not be low energy Catholic <laughs> radio. Nope. Are we ready? Okay, welcome to the Terry and Jesse show. I'm having a good time. My brother Jesse is in town, but he's doing another show right now. We're scheduled to have Father Murr on. And we got a great show ahead of us, folks. Wow, <laughs> this is great. The uh, study on the ordination class of, of vocations. Where are these guys coming from? And uh, the good news is that they're all mainly traditional Catholics who want to become priests. That's a good sign for us, the future of the church. We're also going to be covering uh, what Pope Francis is allowing laymen and women to vote in the Senate on synodality. Notice it's not called a bishop's conference anymore because... Uh, yeah, it's not all bishops. And so this is what we're going to chat about. Also, is porn addiction fueling the spread of the woke ideology? I'd say yes. We'll talk and we'll get into that. My favorite topic, though, is pro-Dutch farmer activist Eva Vanderbroek converts to Catholicism. Wait till you hear why she became a Catholic. Fascinating, fascinating. Also, good to know file. Are you ready for this? I said need to know file. The media is paying no attention when a drag queen mom is convicted of 11 child sex abuse crimes. Why do I say that? Because this woman in Oregon, I mean, she was doing all kinds of horrible things. She's, you know, with the with the um, uh, with no attention of the media saying that this is this woman's background. Why? Because it wasn't politically correct. And so I think that that needs to be said also. Good news. Federal judge rules Mississippi must allow religious exemptions for school uh, vaccines. More and more, I should say, of the schools in the, in the states of California, not California, but the states are doing that now. They're allowing us for these exemptions. Also, this is not a good news story, but again, it shows you the corruption and the weakness in the church. New York Sisters of Charity won't take new members Singling an end to the congregation. This Sisters of Charity were run by uh, by uh, Mother Seton. Yeah, in New York. They, this was a couple hundred years ago, 1846. This is when her order started to, to do all kinds of good things. And the order is dying out. And I, I mention this because they, they try to make it, spin it into a positive thing. It's not positive when Brides of Christ re, you know, leave. I mean, the number of sisters back in 1965 were 450,000 sisters. <clears throat> Today, no, it was 150,000. <clears> that was 1965. Today, we're down to 45,000. <clears> that doesn't say that that's a healthy church. That's a church that doesn't value consecration to uh, the religious life. And that's very, very sad. So I, I bring that up not to, uh, you know, just... Just make the point. All right, today's May 1st, everybody. Feast of St. Joseph. Wow, the worker. Here's an interesting thing about that particular feast day. And it's it's really just recent. Even just before I was born, a year or two before I was born, this feast came in in 1955. And basically, it was a response to the communists because communism in the 1950s was alive and well. And so Pope Pius Twelfth said, May 1st, we're going to celebrate a day to honor people who work. <clears throat> In the gospel of Christ, 
he was called the son of a carpenter. Human labor, no matter how ordinary, can be sanctified, which in turn can sanctify oneself and others, making each of the faithful a participant in Christ's work of redemption. And you know what I always say about this? Is it's like every action is like a blank check. If Christ's name is on it, it has infinite value. So going to work turns out for many people is a drudgery. Have you ever thought of offering it for love of God, for the salvation of souls? Getting up in the morning, say, I'm going to make a sacrifice. I'm not going to stay in this warm bed. All of these things can be added on to our spirituality. So then we realize we're living in the presence of God. So May 1st is a very special day. And again, St. Joseph the worker is the model for all of us. I love the colic prayer. Oh God, creator of all things, who laid down for the human race the law of work, graciously grant that by the example of St. Joseph, under his patronage, we may complete the work you set us to do and attain the rewards you promised. Through our Lord Jesus Christ, your Son, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, one God forever and ever. So God has ordained you to do this work. This is something that all of us need to realize that we have a divine mandate to do our duties in our state in life. People ask me, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? Ask God to show you through your duties and your state in life. If you're a married man, serve your wife and family. It's simple, isn't it? But we try to make it too complicated. All right, let's get to the, the reading for today from the Gospel of John. And again, Father Murrow, I'm not sure if he's going to join me. If Mr. Engineer, you say he's here, I'll let him give that commentary. But sick, he's sick, okay. I just got word he's not feeling well. So let's say a prayer. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. We pray that Father Murr will be back on his feet. What a great priest he is. All right, the gospel, and I'm going to read this one because I love it, John 6 again. This was last week, but I'm going to do it again. John 6, 22 to 29. After Jesus had fed the 5,000 men, his disciples saw him walking on the sea. The next day, the crowd that remained across the sea saw that there had been only one boat there and that Jesus had not gone along with his disciples in the boat, but only the disciples had left. Other boats came from Tiberias, near the place where they had eaten the bread. When the Lord gave thanks, when the, when the crowd saw that neither Jesus nor his disciples were there, they themselves got into the boat, came to Capernaum, looking for Jesus. And then when they found him across the sea, they said to him, Rabbi, when did you get here? Jesus answered them and said, Amen, amen. I say to you, you are looking for me, not because you saw signs, but because you ate the loaves and were filled. Do not the work for food that perishes, do not work for food that will perish, but for the food that endures for eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. For on him the Father God has set his seal. So they said to him, 
What can we do to accomplish the works of God? Jesus answered and said to them, This is the work of God that you believe in the one who sent me. The gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. When you read that entire gospel of John, you cease to be a Protestant. Why? Because the Eucharist is the source and summit of the Christian faith. You read that entire chapter, when he said, unless you eat of my body and drink of my blood, you have no life in you. My flesh is real food. My blood is real drink. Did he call the individuals who left him at that point back and say, hey, wait a minute, guys. Let me clarify something. I was just talking figuratively, kind of like what our Protestant brothers think. No, no, no. He didn't say that. He could have, but he didn't. He went to Peter. Are you going to leave me too? They're all leaving. No, you have the words of eternal life. So when I hear people say, I became a Protestant, I used to be Catholic, I always would say, why would you leave Jesus in the Eucharist for a symbol? What are you talking about? I say, open your Bible. Read the chapter 6 of the Gospel of John. That's the body, blood, soul, and divinity of Jesus Christ you can receive in the Catholic Church and only in the Catholic Church. He says, oh, well, I don't know. That point is, we have to almost memorize that gospel of John chapter 6 because it really does point out that the Catholic Church has the fullness of the faith in the Eucharist. All right, let's bring the smartest guy into the room. Who falls seen ahead? Cardinal Seurat is with him again. Great advice, Cardinal Seurat. Bishop Sheen down in, up in heaven saying, what's up? He says, well, Bishop Sheen, down in the, uh, on planet Earth, the church is dying because her pastors are afraid to speak in all the truth and clarity. The pastors are afraid of the media. They're afraid of public opinion, afraid of our own Catholic brethren. The good shepherd gives his life for the sheep. Well, I, I brought this up because, Bishop Sheen, you always taught the truth in season and out, and I realize you paid a terrible price for speaking the truth, especially later in your life when they wouldn't even want you to be at the Mass in 1979 when St. John Paul II came to St. Patrick's Cathedral. They wouldn't give you a seat there. But what happened? St. John Paul II says, where's Bishop Sheen? And I said, I don't know. Well, go find him. I bring him here. I want him in the front row. He was down in the basement where they had a chapel praying. They got him. They brought him up. Bishop Sheen said, you have spoken, excuse me, the Pope said to Bishop Sheen and hugged him and said, you have spoken and written well of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. You are a loyal son of the church. See, that's what happens when you preach the gospel, in season and out. All right, when we come back, we've got plenty of talks to talk about. I just want to start off with this ordination question. Who's becoming the new priest? And when we find out who that is, it should give you hope for the future of the church. I know it gave me hope. You're listening to the Terry and Jesse Show on Virgin Most Powerful Radio. Stay with us, family. We have much more to inspire you all deep in love with Jesus and his church. Wow, back with Terry and Jesse. Jesse's in the other studio doing another show. Matt Arnold's going to be joining me after this segment. He's pinch hitting. He's usually here, he's usually here every other Monday with me, but Father Murr's not feeling well. Nothing serious, but um, we wanted to you know, say a little prayer for him. 
I wanted to bring this up. A pro-Dutch farmer activist, Eva van der Brock, converts to Catholicism. And I love what she said. I mean, what I, I, I love having these converts who are on fire for the faith. And she said this, if we don't take our enemies seriously enough and we don't even dare to speak up for Christ after all he has done for us, how do we expect to win? And I love, their, I love that attitude, win. Yeah, win, us, win for our soul for heaven. So in a ceremony in London, England, halfway across the globe, on Sunday, April 23rd, Dutch farmer's activist lawyer, she's a lawyer, she converted to the Catholic faith. She posted a video on her Twitter feed showing the moment she was received in the Catholic faith. And I love when she says, I'm home now, she wrote. I think of my good friend, Dr. Scott Hahn, who wrote Rome, sweet home. So yeah, it is big home. So Eva, her mother was a Roman Catholic, but both she and her father, practicing Christians, were not. In this light, the choice of the Church of London is a significant one. Now, here's the interesting thing about her conversion. She converted through the ordinariate created by Pope Benedict XVI. That's where I go to Mass, here at the Sacred Heart Chapel, the ordinariate. Now, what is that? Well, Pope Benedict XVI addressed the spiritual needs of Christians wishing for full communion with Holy Mother the Church. That was back in November of 2009. Pope Benedict issued this apostolic constitution. And uh, he says, in recent times, the Holy Spirit has moved groups of Anglicans to petition repeatedly and insistently to be received in full communion, individually as well as corporately, is the Apostolic See has responded favorably for such petitions. If you go back to 1980, this was going on. Many Anglicans, why were they wanting to leave the Anglican Church? I'll tell you why. Women's ordination liberalism on moral issues, contraception. They wanted traditional Christianity, and they weren't getting it, so they wanted to become Catholic. So indeed, the successor of Peter, mandated by Jesus to guarantee the unity of the Episcopate and to preside over the safeguard of the universal communion of all churches, could not fail to make available the necessary means to bring the holy desire to realization. Her conversion was performed, are you ready for this, by a Monsignor Keith Newton, also a former Anglican bishop who was ordained as a Catholic priest in 2011. There are over 100 parishes here in America that have Anglican ordinariate parishes. And starting tomorrow, my wife and I and Richard, we're going to be teaching a class, convert course, to the Catholic faith at Our Lady of Grace Parish here in Covina. And we will be putting it on Full Sheen Ahead's YouTube channel so people can watch it using the Baltimore Catechism and Fulton Sheen's Life is Worth Living. So it's kind of exciting for us, I think. So uh, that's something that we're doing with the Anglican Ordinariate, which is now part of the Catholic Church. Their liturgy is very traditional. Kind of reminds you of the old Trinitine Mass, but it's in English. All right, so Newton leads the personal Ordinariate of Our Lady of Walsingham, at Our Lady of the Assumption and St. Gregory at Warwick Street in London, England. Now, since the creation of the Ordinariate, there's been over 80 former Anglican priests who were received into the Catholic Church, bringing thousands of laity and former Anglican parishioners with them. Not only that, you know what it's bringing? 
Catholics who want a, a, a liturgy that's sacred, that doesn't have the clown masses, that receives Holy Communion only on the tongue, kneeling down. Okay, so this 26-year-old Dutch lawyer, he's an amazing, he's young, has been at the forefront of the protests by the Dutch farmers to halt the net zero measures, which would see thousands of Dutch farmers forcibly closed. You heard about that last summer. Yet she believes the issue is neither confined to farming nor to the Netherlands. And this is really the interesting part about it. In a video interview, this convert, in March of 23, in The Spectator, she observed, this net zero plan is not actually about saving the climate or avoiding the world from being destroyed. It's a political decision. I happen to agree with you, young lady. That used to crack down on people's freedom and people's rights. She nailed it. In an address to the Brussels National Conservative Conference in March 23 of 2022, she outlined a manifesto for a renewed political movement. During the talk, this, this convert to the Catholic faith, she rejected globalism. I love the way she puts it. It's either globalism or embracing God. Yeah, black and white Catholicism. She argued that the reason conservatives are losing so many battles is because we have lost track and the sight of God. Totally agreed with him. Threw God out. What brought her into the sight of God in an April 23rd email interview with the National Catholic Register. God bless them. She expands on her belief that the difficulties facing the modern world are a result of spiritual battle. Yeah, you can say that again, man. What a great convert. Again, she nails it. She says that this, it was COVID-19's pandemic that fully awakened her to the reality of a spiritual battle and the world is facing and the realization that the Catholic faith is the most powerful weapon against moral relativism of today. Man, she's got wisdom for 26 years old. She's nailing it. She's not only Christian to have noticed this, of course. What then brought her to the Catholicism? And this is a talk that I used to promote through Lighthouse Catholic Media. It was one of my favorite talks. Dr. Peter Kreef speeches on YouTube. Now it says, it's um, you know eight reasons or seven reasons why people should become Roman Catholic. She watched it, and she simply couldn't argue with what he said, that everything he said was true. Returning home from Christmas Mass in 2022, she received a message from her friend, Father Benedict Guiley, saying, when are you going to become a Catholic? It's, she said she realized that her time had come and that God was calling her home. Wow. Uh, incredible, incredible, incredible. I just, I keep thinking out loud when I see this, that this woman, you have to ask people to become Catholic. That's the other thing I really noticed. Don't, don't hesitate to do that. And I even think of what took place over the weekend out in Boston with the evilness of the devil, the, the spiritual warfare that was going on there, and the good that came from that where the diocese, now has perpetual adoration in many of the churches in in Boston. 
for those who don't know what happened, it was the uh, the demonic effect that they had in Boston. They were going to have a, a worship center and downgrading Christianity. But now, after 50 years of not one parish having adoration of the Blessed Sacrament in Boston, many of them have them now. You see how it can be like a boomerang on them. So now, she she's now a Catholic, and she's combined a clear-sighted view of the political and social evils of the world today. Yet, her faith both guides and consoles her as the madness of modernism is foretold by God, whose goodness is certain to prevail. She's got an attitude of gratitude. I like this girl. Politically and socially speaking, I think we live in an incredibly dark time, an upside-down world. And she's right. Think about it. Where people call men women and women call women men? I mean, where people call good and evil and, you know, what happened to this? This is, you know, she's quoting Isaiah. Uh, because good will win because Christ has conquered death and has set us free. So she got that. Now, uh, she's already an accomplished intellectual political commentator and activist. She does not rely on empty slogans, but allies her steadfast faith with God and penetrating analysis of ideologies of evil, which we face as Catholics today. Boy, she's got a clear mind. She said, here's what she's saying. is a new convert. We are fighting such a large evil that we can only win with him on our side and we have him on our side. If we spend our energy on hiding him, what he will be for, what, will he be there for us? No, this is not a mere posture. She said, I believe that politically and socially we face a diabolical, that's the devil, wickedness, which masquerades at the highest virtue. This is really the cash value, what she says. We will have to recognize that we're dealing with evil ideology that is fundamentally opposed to everything we as Catholics stand for if we want to stand a fighting chance. And I love what she said here, too. This, of course, is familiar programming of deception, seduction, lies, and runes. It is the work of Satan, whispered her flattering terms. I wish she'd really tell me what she thinks. She said, the problem is that many Christians fall for these pretty words the globalists use to sell us their plans. She's spot on. Whether it's climate change, COVID, transhumanism, they present their solutions under the guise of equality and noble pretext. But in fact, if you look at what they're really proposing, it always comes down to the fact that these people want to play God. She nailed it again. I love this. Wow. She says, the solutions they offer vaccine, passports, transhumanism, saving the planet, always feeds off the people of fear of, of the fear of death, which sadly, if you believe that life on earth is all about, uh, you know, not a strange thing, then you shouldn't be afraid of it. She, she took her confirmation name, are you ready? Joan of Arc. I love it. Fearful Joan. Wow, what a great patron saint. You know, when you think about it, when you go to a gravesite and you see all these people's birthdays, right? They were born and when they died. And there's a dash between the two dates. That's our life. That's all it is. It's a blink in the eye compared to eternity. But that dash indicates what you do between that dash when you were born and when you die. That tells you where you're going to be for all eternity. I like that analogy. A good priest from the, from the Fathers of Mercy gave that to us. 
And I thought, well, how apropos. So when we really realize that life is short and eternity is forever, then we should not be afraid of COVID. We should be more afraid of mortal sin, not uh, dying you know, with some medical cause. So this is why I think this new convert to the faith is exciting for me because she's nailing it. She's really speaking the truth about why the Catholic faith is the answer to all of the ailments of the world. Yeah. And uh, yeah, from contraception to marriage, all of it. It's all there in our Catholic faith. We come back, Matt Arnold will be joining me. We're going to talk about two things. Pope Francis allowing lay men and women to vote in the, on the synodality coming up in October. Good or bad? Why do I think it's bad? I'll tell you my reasons. Also, is porn addiction fueling the spread of the woke ideology? I bet it is. I'll tell you why that. Stay with us, family. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Terry and Jesse Show. Matt Arnold visiting my last two segments. Matt, thanks for uh, helping and pinch hitting with Father Murr being sick. Appreciate your presence, my friend. Hey, it's good to be here, Terry. Um, we're in a situation where you can see me, but I cannot see you. So well, no, okay. no visual cues today. Well, you look great. You look, <laughs> you look, you look great to me. But uh, yeah, it's, it's not a, it's not a problem not seeing my bald headed face blinding you. Okay, Matt, a couple things I wanted to bring up. Sure. You know, the first thing I am going to bring up, and this is something that, ouch, is a uh, article that talks, is porn addiction fueling the spread of the woke ideology? Do you think? Yeah, when I read the article, I thought, (laughs) I'm glad somebody's bringing the connection because basically what I'm seeing is when we lose the connection I mean, I'm going back to 1968. You know, I was a little boy when Pope Paul VI came out and said about, you know, teaching on July of 1968 that Hermanavite saying that, that, that you cannot use contraception. If artificial contraception is against the Catholic faith, it always has been, always will be. And mm-hmm. there was a rejection there. There was the sexual revolution that was going on that you and I actually saw firsthand. Let me ask you a question, Terry. You were what? Uh, ten years old. Yeah, that I was. Uh, yeah, you about know, ten I was years maybe old. Nine years old. Yes, yes. Eight years old when I came mm-hmm. out. Um, did you know what contraception was? When no you idea. Okay. Oh. Do you, do you think a ten-year-old today does? Yes. Okay, you've answered your question. Exactly. That's exactly the point. <laughs> you see, Jesse. Oh, Jesse. I keep calling you Je- Matt. We grew up in a different era. Yeah, I, I'll tell you right now. Um, I just saw a statistic, and it's because of the because of this thing. It's because of the the smartphone. Uh, which was widely introduced around the year 200 or 2012. Yes, that we've seen this uh, this real explosion in regard to the change of attitude, and they tell me now that um, because everybody's got one of these things, mm-hmm. that the average age uh, by which a child is exposed to hardcore pornography. Yep. Not, you know, not just uh, mm-hmm. uh, racy pictures or nudity. Right. Hardcore pornography is nine to eleven. Yeah, well, the, un- the uh, so, yeah. you know, and again, and you and I, um, my access to hardcore pornography is I didn't have any. Right. Thanks be <laughs> to know? God. And, yeah. And, and so you can see and you think that's not going to have. Right. Uh, uh, an impact. Well, of course, Matt. Well, this, this article points out the kids are getting hooked on pornography, not in, from ages five to ten. Oh, good and, Lord. And so this article is pointing out 
that uh, you can understand why the LGBT movement, you can understand why the sexual revolution, you can understand the degradation of entertainment without understanding which porn has conquered our culture. Pornography may not be the worst problem, but it makes every other problem worse. Mm -hmm. So this is the problem right now. We are, and you know, Jesse, or Jesse, Matt, I keep saying that. Matt, (laughs) Matt, still Matt. I, I think that there's still a way and this is just my take, and I want to hear your take because you're a father of six children. Mm-hmm. We can still overcome these uh, corruptions in our culture by having a robust subculture. And what I mm-hmm. mean by that, homeschooling is a subculture, right? right. And and in uh, whose stories are being being told? Okay, I'll, I'll just I'm going to be really f- make you laugh today. Jesse's in Studio A right now doing another show, mm-hmm. and he was at my house. And he'd forgotten a coat. And so um, I go back to the house with Jess between the hours. We go pick up his coat because he needs it for the political show he's doing. Mm-hmm. And my three-year-old grandson is with my, my, my wife, Mary Danielle. And he, he says, Grandpa, can't you stay? And I said, listen, um, son, you need to stay here. You got your, your cap gun? Yep. I need you to protect Grandma if any wild animals come over. Uh, you just patrol the place while I'm gone, and I'll see you after lunch. My, I'm joking, but you see, he's what is he doing? Is he on the internet watching these videos? No, no. you know what he's doing? He's got a cap gun that a culture are going to say, you shouldn't give a yeah, little— It shouldn't have in the first place, yeah. Right? And you know what I say? Fooey on that. Because you know yeah. what I'm asking him to do? To be, shiver, to be, to be, to be a, man, a young man at age three, right. showing him what young men do. Do you get that? See, this is the subculture we're talking about. Another thing is we can carefully tell the storytelling to our our children. Matt, we have something big to announce soon. Storytelling. It's the catechism for children. I won't go into Mm -hmm. it now, but I want to put a teaser. This is going to be something that Virgin Most Powerful Radio is going to help you, mom and dad, be that subculture. And grandma and grandpa, you know, uh, because you, you're, you're feeling this right now. We we have our own yeah. uh, uh, one one of our grandkids that sure. we watch, you know, every Friday we sure. babysit. Good. So, you know, and then that's the thing. You want to be able to have, you want to be able to yeah. help as a parent or grandparent to immerse your children in a Catholic culture. Right. And that's and exactly. That's the thing. You talk about a, a subculture. I think probably the, the, the family itself is, is the first. That's right. Uh, uh, you know, it's, it's the most important uh, society. It's the first society. That's where your children are going to get their their primary formation, and you know uh, it needs to be a, a school of prayer. Yes, we still we pray the family rosary. I, I started instituted oh, that many many years ago, decades ago, mm-hmm. and uh, I still have four uh, kids living at home, mm-hmm. uh, three adults. My youngest is going to go into her senior high school next year. Wow. Um, yeah, I know it's it's <laughs> we're That's getting up crazy. there. The, the the other two are you know out of the house, have their own families, mm-hmm. but. Um, we still, I mean, last night, you, you gather together yeah. in the evening, and it's all, you know, we're all adults now. We, we're not, it's not mom and dad, a bunch of little kids anymore, but it's, it's just a part of their lives because that's the, way, uh, that's the way they grew up. That's the culture in which they were immersed. Well, Matt, that kind of brings me up to a topic about this annual study of the, of the priests who are being ordained in, in uh, America. Mm-hmm. Uh, this annual study points out things like that subculture was very helpful and young men becoming priests because an inordinate amount of of uh, newly ordained priests were homeschooled. 
Mm. Isn't that yeah. interesting? Well, the, you know, that vocation, it's, you know, you're talking about planting seeds. It needs soil in which to grow. Mm-hmm. Well and, said. And that soil, that soil, it's the family. Well said. And here's an interesting note that um, the religious uh, orders are more likely than diocesan orders to first consider a vocation in college uh, than in the lower schools. But here's an interesting mm. statistic that, and this is uh, mom and dad, they, they grew up in a monogamous family where mom and dad, there's no divorce, okay? Mm-hmm. Uh, about 96% of the newly ordained priests came from an intact home. No surprise, huh? Yeah, I know that. Yeah, again, because where 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 is that uh, uh, image of of fatherhood and and responsible family life? Where is it going to be? Uh, um, you know, I I, I know I'm, this is not an indictment against people that have that have you know gone through the, the tragedy of a divorce, right. <clears throat> but simply put, you know, uh, it's it's better for the kids <laughs> yep. to grow up with a mom and a dad that that uh, that stick together through thick and thin and actually love each other in the way that the Catholic Church means when they say love. Well said. Matt, we're going to finish up the rest of the show, and you're pinch hitting for Father Charles Murr, uh, with a topic that uh, it's uncomfortable for me to actually speak about because I'm not in management, I'm in sales, okay? Mm-hmm. In the sense of the church, <laughs> the hierarchy of the church, all the way from the Pope, I mentioned last Thursday that all of the bishops and priests made promises when they were ordained. And these promises are very strict about, for example, uh, just repeat again, this promise that the pre- bishops and the Pope and all priests say... And you're talk- yeah, you're talking about diocesan priests. You're not talking about pledging themselves to a religious community. You're just talking about... No, I'm talking about, about being ordained a Catholic priest. priest. Yeah. yeah, this is what the first, the rite of ordination, I'll, I'll just use that term, rite of ordination. Several questions. First one, are you resolved to be faithful and constant in proclaiming the gospel of Christ? Yes, you say. Second one, are you resolved to maintain a deposit of faith, entire, incorrupt, as handed down by the apostles and professed by the church everywhere and at all times? Very specific question. So everyone who's ordained from the Pope down said yes to those two questions. I'm settling that because what's happening now is Pope Francis... And he has the power to do this legislation. You know, he can do it. He's saying that he's going to allow men and women to vote in the Senate and the Senate and that will take place in October. So now, Matthew, a lay people will now hold up to 25% of the Senate voting power. Cardinal Jean-Claude Hollerick told News, LifeSite News, that the Senate on Senate was focused on... Uh, on communion, participating in the mission. Now, I, I bring this up because when we had the Senate on the family, what happened, and it upset people in Rome, we know that because they made it clear, they didn't get what they wanted when it came to ordination of women, contraception, mm-hmm. and, and homosexuality. Yeah, and, all, all that stuff they, they promised not to uh, right, promote. They said they promised. Yeah. But in the new rules from Pope Francis' own 2018 Apostolic Constitution, which stipulates the governance and working of the Senate of the Bishops. See, it's no longer the Senate of the Bishops. That's what I want to say. Let's just be honest. It's not. And if I were a bishop, Matt, I would say, wait a minute, what happened to my charism? 
This right. is how the church has always uh, governed itself through the successors of the apostles. Lay people have had input, but not any significant input like we're doing now. The Pope specifically opened the doors to lay participation, voting rights, and he argues that the Episcopal specificity of the Senate Assembly is not affected, but he's saying it's affirmed. With all due respect, and I mean I have lots of respect for the vigor of Christ, mm -hmm. I don't see how that's affirming bishops. I really don't. Now, Well, yeah, I, I, unfortunately, the way that words are used uh, these days are, you know, it, it, it lacks the clarity and precision that, uh, frankly, that theological matters and, and matters of government in the church demand. Yeah. This isn't this isn't a, a, a place for off the cuff. It, it is. It's a it's a it's a falsehood. Right. To to set that which is doctrinal over and against that which is pastoral. If those things don't, uh, you know, if they don't agree, then, you know, one of them is in error. Well, and it's important that that it be that it be uh, uh, well laid out. And this is why we need to be praying for our leaders in our church uh, Amen. by holy hours, acts of reparation. Because some of these things that are going on directly oppose the gospel. Yeah, to be honest with you, stay with us, family. Welcome back to the Terry and Jesse Show. To join the conversation, call 888-526-2151. Now, here's Terry and Jesse. Well, actually, Matt Arnold sitting in for Jess Romero. Uh, Matt, I, I want to just summarize, and then I want to turn the... Uh, the conversation into uh, how we can help Holy Mother, the church as lay people. But I, I want to just point out that this Senate on Senatality will also be joined by experts who will not have any right to vote, and thus they are not given the title members of the assembly. But these experts uh, compiled working documents for the, the, uh, the conference. Many of them we've seen over the last decade have been secular people. Okay, uh, and some of them have had input, and I keep asking myself just this question as a Catholic: Why would we bring somebody in to give us input on the morality, uh, some moral teaching of the church, when they don't even buy into what we teach? And I just <laughs> have a like, you know, like so. That's my concern: is that they're bringing in their, you know, like Raymond Royal said this. He said, you know. With his quote, he said, "The church goes from Vatican First Vatican Council to an American idol. Does this violate Pope Francis's promise that the Senate is not a parliament? But it, it seems like it's becoming a voting, and I could just see this happening, Matt. I can see it coming, and you can correct me in October to show that I'm wrong. But I believe what will happen yeah. in October, and, and, and let me just—I made this before I make my prediction. Yeah, I'll just say this: what will happen in October, Matt?" is a bunch of people, a bunch of experts are going to come up and say, I I'm, I'm was nominated by Pope Francis to be on this, and we need to have women's uh, ordination. We need to have a, a, a blessing for the homosexuals in marriage because, you know, we don't want to fall short of welcoming anybody into the church. So their false compassion will be presented in October, and for many people in the church, they're going to say, well, yeah, we got to, we, we really have to be more open. And why I say this is 
the ordination for women's organization is so happy to see this taking place. They're, they're quoted saying, yeah, this is a first step so that we can become ordained priests. So even they, they see it coming that way. So I'm making a prediction, and I hope I'm wrong, that in October, many of these lay people are going to stack the deck and try to change what I call first century Christianity. Well, you know, I mean, you can leave the Catholic Church and do whatever the hell you want. Yep. Uh, you can start your own church and, and make it be whatever you want it to be. Mm-hmm. You can't you can't do that and remain Catholic. That's right. It's very simple. But you asked what the problem was. I mean, you you actually you you raised several. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I did. I did. Uh, the first of them, though, is is why would they do this? I'll take even a further step back than that. Okay. Uh, some time ago, we were informed by the Holy See that that synods are not councils. That's untrue. Synod and council are synonyms. A synod is particularly a council of bishops. That's what it is. Yeah. Now, if you're saying, oh, a synod is uh, is actually comprised of bishops and and lay people, and that does no violence to the concept of synod or to the episcopal nature of the synod, I suggest to you that uh, you should rethink because you're probably in error. Mm-hmm. Uh, unless you're redefining words, in which case we can no longer have a conversation because we don't know what each other's talking about. Right. But that, of course, is uh, the point when these tactics are used in worldly pursuits, in politics. Right. We live currently in um, uh, a technocracy. Yes. Where the the an answer is demanded of the experts and then uh, without any uh, uh, concern about whether that input is correct or not, policy is made and decisions are made and uh, and lives are ruined and traditions are, are trodden underfoot mm-hmm. because that's what the experts said to do. Yeah. And I'm telling you something right now. Tell me. I was just following orders, didn't fly at Nuremberg, no, it and it's did. not going to fly now. Well said. When you stand before God, you're going to be held accountable for what you did. You know, and and if you tried to create a committee to to cover what you did with a smokescreen, that's that's not going to that's not going to fly, you know, when you're standing alone before the throne of God. And I would like to think that some of these people are possibly considering that, although God doesn't seem to be a consideration. When was the last time, um, uh, you know, you heard anything come out of the Holy See? Yeah, scripture. Or 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 you know. Any, virtually any modern episcopate that was addressed to the world that had the words God or Jesus in it. That's sad to have to say, not very often. So, you know, I we know what the problem is. Yeah. That's the problem. <laughs> well, know, first thing, hire, you know, it's, it's like what, what Tyler said in 1380, first, first kill all the lawyers. Yeah. You know, uh, if, if, but what we really need to, to have is, is shepherds and, and, you know, of course, I'm like you say, I'm in sales, not in management. Right. If they were to ask my advice, I'm a lay person. Nobody's come to me saying, what do you think? But, I, but I'll tell you right now that um, if you if you want to know what I have to say on this, it would be, you know, do your own job. Yeah. Uh, uh, make exercise the charism that you that you receive in your ordination and keep your promises. Well said. Yeah, that goes back to that. Keep your promises. Just like Matt, we're, we're supposed to keep our promises at the altar when we made it, when we got married. Okay. Same thing. Amen. But here's my concern. I want to pray for Cardinal Claude Hollerick and uh, the Cardinal Mario Greach. These two men are in positions of power for this Senate. And they've made it clear publicly that they don't believe 
and the church teachings on homosexuality as being wrong and sinful, objectively. In other words, the actions are right. And again, not and so and the tendency. So and by and by that statement, they are forsworn. Yes. I mean, it's it's, it's that that's not. This isn't. This isn't a matter of, of disciplines. It's not. It's a matter of debate. It's it's the, the scriptural and traditional uh, right. um, teachings that are a part of the deposit of faith that is you know that is essential for your own salvation. We're really quite clear. And I think that's the the thing. We you you get because the, the you know because we have a, a hierarchy that's that's bureaucratically set up. Right. They're following the the worldly model. Yeah. Right. And and that's when you get into to, to trouble. We see how well it's working in the world. Yeah. <laughs> you know? sure. uh, and, and, and to to adopt that kind of, of model in, in the church is just is just uh, um, well, you, you see that how things are unraveling. The very idea uh, the pope in Rome was pandering to a, a bunch of woke children, essentially, yeah. uh, recently in that, that Disney Plus interview where he said the church's sexual teaching is still in diapers. Yeah. Yeah. I, and that, you know, I mean, that's just, it, it's it's beneath the dignity of his office. Yeah. What and I, I'll stop there. Well, I'm going to let you stop but, but there because I'm going to jump easy. in and say, you're spot on. I see what happened to the Anglican Church when they started having all these synods. It seems that— Yeah, they got, they've got women's ordination. How, how are their numbers doing? That's my point, Matthew. This is—you know, in one sense, I know we have a couple minutes, but I'm going to make the analogy about Scripture, on the inerrancy of Scripture— and what I wanted to say is our Protestant brothers at one point didn't believe in the inerrancy of Scripture, and they finally got that straightened out. Many of them said, no, 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 we have to believe that the Bible's without error. And after that, Catholics picked up what the Protestants knew was error, and it just, it just seems so funny that sometimes we pick things up even after we know it's wrong. Oh, I know. Weirdly, weirdly, we seem to be always uh, like twenty years behind. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but let's pray that the that our leaders in our church, and this is hard for me to have to be criticizing the Holy Father, the bishops, uh, when it comes to uh, the structure of the church. But you know, I have witnessed something in my own lifetime, Matthew, for since nineteen sixty five. You know, well, there were over one hundred and fifty thousand consecrated sisters in the United States, and today there are less than forty five thousand. Okay, mm -hmm. I've seen the priesthood diminish. I've seen Catholics. I've seen so many things under this, this idea of what I call modernism. I'll use the word modernism. They don't think that these sisters have any value, especially the cloistered sisters, their prayers in the convent. I have friends that are living a cloistered life, and I know they're praying for me, and I know that their life is full. But there mm -hmm. are people in the church who are denying that, and I think it's just time to call them out and say, look— Where's your supernatural faith? Right. Well, and for those and for those people who are, you know, it, it's it's kind of funny too. The people that want to be actualized and and Actual, whatever, you know, the, the the today's buzzword might be. <laughs> um, you know, it's like do, do, I would think happiness would be a better you think? Uh, indicator. And I can tell you that I've known an awful lot of of uh, religious men and women in my life, and they're the happiest people I've ever met. Of course. You know, it's just you know, it, it's it's just. It's odd that, that we, uh, you know, it's it's like you know the Wizard of Oz. If you want to you want to go looking for happiness, you should start in your own backyard. There you go. You don't you don't you don't have to go over the rainbow. You know, uh, <laughs> no pun intended yeah. in this case. No, I get it. To uh, to you know, to uh, find what you're looking for because it's already there. It's here. Yeah. We've already have we have the fullness of the faith. We have the gospel of Jesus Christ. I said this on my show uh, just a, a couple of days ago. Yeah. 
God became a human being. Christ suffered and died for your sins. On the Holy Cross, he gave you his own, uh, the, the Blessed Virgin, to be your mother and model. Yeah. And then he, he founded the church so that the graces won on the Holy Cross could be communicated to the world through the sacraments. Is that not enough? Yeah, you think? That's pretty well said. Yeah. And Matt, <laughs> talking about your show, how can people tune in with vmpr.org? Oh, yeah, sure, yeah, I, I, you know, where I'm addressing folks on the radio. Yeah, if you would like to listen to my program, it's, uh, there's a new one every Wednesday. Uh, um, it's called No Nonsense Catholic, and you can easiest way to find it is on your favorite podcast platform, or you can go directly to vmpr.org and click on our shows, and you'll find the whole archive right there. No Nonsense Catholic, a new show every Wednesday. Can we tease our listeners, especially our monthly donors, about a project you're working on? Not giving it all away yet, but give us a little um, tease. Well, let, let me say this. Terry, you're sitting in what was originally <laughs> That's right. the coach house That's right. of uh, the Sacred Heart Chapel there in Covina, and then it was converted into a garage when uh, yeah. when carriages got replaced by automobiles. And then the local little community there um, converted it into a classroom where they cut, taught catechism to yep. children. That's right. And that's something that's been uh, very much on my heart for a long time, mm -hmm. that I have my own, my own kids are, are mostly grown now. But uh, to help young parents and to help grandparents to have materials that can help them inculcate the Catholic faith in their little ones. And we do, we've got a new project coming up. It's going to be announced to our monthly donors uh, in just a day or two, yep. and then uh, uh, widely after that. You got it. Matt Arnold sitting in for Jess Romero. Thank you so much. Folks, uh, I want to thank you for your support. If you'd like to become a monthly donor and receive all these good things that we're doing, uh, call us at 877-526-2151 or go online. For $25 a month, you're getting hundreds of dollars of downloads from Scott Hahn, Tim Staples, all the good guys I've recorded over the years. Just go to vmpr.org on our website. Download the free app if you don't have that so you can listen to these shows anywhere in the world. Matt Arnold, what state should we be living in? That would be the state of grace, Terry. What state should we not be living in? The state, that's right. A state of mortal sin. Hey, I just want to say also, Our Lady of Fatima said, souls are going to hell because no one is there to pray and make sacrifices. Wow. We can participate in the salvific work of Jesus Christ. Whether you're four years old or 104, we all can help in saving souls. So offer your day to God. Offer each moment as a sacrifice to God. May God richly bless you and your family.